this week on Andrew Says. I had a chat with Sydney Watson. She's an Aussie-American YouTuber with a huge following, and she had a lot to say on issues like fat shaming, canceled culture, discourse, and of course, hitting back at some of her haters. You know how I like to do that stuff. We even talked about conservative e-girls, and your guy Andrew had a lot to say on that subject. In a Rebel News Plus exclusive, I asked her what kind of DMs she gets. Are they weird? Are they news articles? They're likely a mix of everything. <laughs> Last but not least, though, what is Sydney's favorite hit piece written about her? That was a really fun segment. I think you'll enjoy it. We are pretty similar, strangely enough. I know a guy and a girl, one's Australian, one's Canadian. Weirdly enough, we're pretty close to the same person. So if you want the full video version of Andrew Says with Sydney Watson, including the exclusive content, go to rebelnewsplus.com for just $8 a month. It's even less money if you subscribe for a full year. What are you waiting for? Do you really want to let David Menzies down by not subscribing? Because that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing if you don't subscribe. RebelNewsPlus.com Time for a serious chat because unlike your mum, but with less yelling. You're thin, you have a certain privilege. The everyday tasks that a thinner person can take for granted. I can leave a plus size person like myself, feel full of anxiety, burden and upset, and feeling that they don't belong and don't deserve a place in here. So firstly, I would not describe this girl as plus size. I think that that has become this term that people like to employ when it actually doesn't apply to them. She, at least in my opinion, is overweight. Uh, and I know that we, we've joked about this, but the, I never want to be considered like that. And I mean, people leave comments on my videos, on my YouTube videos, and they'll say things like, why is your toppler cut? And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't want to be in a burqa. I mean, I, I could, if you if you ask nicely, maybe it might happen, like a nice blue one. Old, and she's talking about, she's angrier than she maybe has been ever by the political noise. Well, she's a conservative, What's the political noise coming from the opposition? Right, wear a mask, stop getting other people sick, stop killing other people by being so anti-science. Uh, also, a month ago, I mean, that's pretty much at the peak of the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, yeah, you're right. All this political noise, you should be the angriest because clearly you're the person most negatively affected by what's going on and why those movements are even necessary. So the question that we're asking today is if the wage gap exists. It does not. Sydney Watson is a writer, YouTuber, and political commentator. You can find her on youtube.com slash Watson, where she has over 500,000 subscribers, on Twitter at Sydney L. Watson, and she also contributes to the First Network. If you'd like to watch the full version of this show, please go to rebelnewsplus.com and sign up for just $8 per month. Sydney, thank you for joining us. How are you? Good. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Very good. Thank you. Uh, where are you coming to us from? Texas at the moment, thankfully. Not uh, not like DC, where I used to live. It's so a total, much freedom, total I'm jealous. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's actually pretty great here. When I first moved, I was like, I've made a grave mistake just because, you know, DC was, uh, it's, it's pretty good for journalism and related things, but Texas is awesome. I can't complain. I can complain where I am right now. So I'm glad that you don't have the right to. Sydney, you, come... <laughs> Sydney, you come highly recommended by your peers. Um, your yeah. YouTube channel is only about three years old though. And your first video was called the Me Too Movement Has Ruined 
workplaces. So tell us what led up yeah. to you making videos and what inspired you to make that video in particular. Uh, so basically, I was actually at university at the time I was doing my Master of Journalism, and I was disturbed a little bit by how left wing it was. And I'd, I'd known that, you know, obviously, most universities are fairly left wing, um, having done my bachelor at the same university. Um, and I wanted to basically discuss and talk about right wing values and right wing ideas basically to combat the left-wing ishness that I was dealing with at school. So um, the first video I made was actually uh, about gun control. And I chucked that on YouTube, uh, sorry, not on YouTube, on Facebook. And that did really, really, really well, which totally shocked me. And then I decided to keep going. I was just mad that the media was so dishonest and I didn't want to be part of it. So I wanted to actually work towards being a proper journalist or someone at least, you know, who you could trust for unbiased even though I am right wing and I always say this is quite funny, but I, I do want to be unbiased. I want to pr provide both sides of the story. So, so what particularly spawned the, um, the anti-Me Too video though? Oh, the anti-Me Too one in particular? Well, I guess I've just always had a inclination towards um, criticizing feminism as a general rule. And at that point, I'd obviously been watching um, the sort of narrative surrounding men. And, I, and, and particularly in Australia, similar to Canada, um, feminism has a bit of a stranglehold. It's a very, you know, gynocentric society. And I was just mad about it. And I figured that people needed to actually have an alternative viewpoint. And that's sort of what came to fruition. There's a video about workplaces and how uncomfortable it is to be in a workplace as, you know, men these days, I guess. A lot of the articles I saw about you called you a men's rights activist. Do you call yourself right. that? Did that come from these videos? How did that happen? Is that your own doing? No, I, I definitely don't. It's called by seven MRA. I don't really subscribe to that sort of terminology or anything like that. I think people give me that, you know, label because I think it carries a lot of negative weight, mm -hmm. negative connotation. It sort of gives an indication that you're the sort of person who hates women, that you're a misogynist, that um, you don't care about actual genuine equality. And I mean, I, I think it's more of a, a derogatory thing that that people on the left use to label people like me who are just critical of you know, the sort of more radical sides of feminism. And so, yeah, no, I definitely don't identify with that at all. No, I agree. Definitely in the articles that I was reading, it, it was pretty clear that they weren't trying to compliment you by calling yeah. you that. Now, recently, I sort of went on a spree watching your videos, and I find myself, I found myself, I really found myself, I found <laughs> myself agreeing with a lot of what you were saying. I felt like we had very similar mindsets. I mean, we obviously look and sound a lot alike. So oh, there's the, for sure. Your hair is so long, it's so luscious. You know, I'm, I'll sleep tonight because of that. <laughs> How would you subscribe where you fall on the political spectrum? You said right wing. Was it always this way? Did you always have these uh, types of opinions? I mean, I think that I come from a reasonably right wing background and a real business background, too. So, you know, most people in my family, my brother, my dad, my mom, everyone's had businesses. And so I think that that kind of lends itself to being, I think, more conservative, at least, you know, fiscally and things. Um, my mom being from the United States, she came from, you know, a right wing background. So I suppose that I grew up with very, very right wing influences. I, these days, I kind of oscillate between libertarian and conservative. I don't think I fit 
you know, wholly and solely into either group. And I think that that's okay. I, I don't necessarily think that the tribalism that goes along with politics these days is particularly healthy. I think it is okay to have ideas that sit outside of um, those groupings. So yeah, you know, in essence, I have always leaned to the right. I think I've come a lot more to the right in, in the last couple of years. <laughs> Sometimes um, I, I look at what the left is doing and I just think this is, they, these are the people radicalizing conservatives and people on the right, not other right-wingers. One of the videos that struck me from the get-go when I was going through your channel and what I wanted to show particularly was about thin privilege. And uh, Justin, we could play a clip about that and I want to get your reaction, Sydney. Okay. You're thin, you have a certain privilege. The everyday tasks that a thinner person can take for granted. I can be a plus-size person like myself, feel full of anxiety, burden and upset and feelings that they don't belong. They don't deserve a place in here. So firstly, I would not describe this girl as plus-size. I think that that has become this term that people like to employ when it actually doesn't apply to them. She, at least in my opinion, is overweight. With all the pictures and the interview, do you as the editor of Cosmo even infer that this may not be a good weight to be, that this actually might be morbid obesity. And um, in Britain right now, we have the worst incidence of obesity in Europe by miles. We are a fat and ever fattening country. And here are you as an editor of a, of a very popular magazine telling women it's fine to be 300 pounds. I don't get it. I genuinely hate how people employ the terms curvy and thick and plus size to girls who are genuinely overweight. So Sydney, what, uh, what caused you to make that video? And, and why do you think this sort of stuff, uh, thin privilege, fat acceptance, like over the top body positivity, where do you think that comes from? And what made you want to make that video? I watched the clip in question, the one that I used in that video, and I watched it as, you know, someone who's been thankfully, you know, reasonably thin my whole life. Uh, and I, I just was like, what planet do these people live on? I think that there are a lot of people out there who try to excuse their own lack of, you know, personal responsibility or self-accountability and put that blame onto others saying that, you know, they have a privilege or they have this or they have that, when in reality, it takes some, you know, looking inward to realize it's actually your own actions that have put you where you are. And passing the blame, passing the buck to someone else to basically say, oh, boohoo, woe is me. I live in a world where skinny people get to do all these things that I don't get to do. Honey, no one's like force feeding you donuts. You you can eat healthy. You can go to the gym. You can lose weight. And with the exception of people who, you know, are overweight due to health complications or, uh, you know, medications that they're taking. I have a lot of sympathy for those people because they often get lumped in with um, the obesity epidemic. But we're getting fatter. We're getting way fat. People are becoming uh, lazier. We're very, you know, we have these sedentary lifestyles. And it just annoys me that someone would, would throw shade at people who, you know, basically, and I think theoretically, work out and take care of themselves. That really irritated me. And I do think that the uh, fat acceptance movement has gotten insane over the last number of years. I don't know if you're aware, you probably are, because um, you probably like live and breathe this sort of stuff like I do. But it's driving me crazy these days how people are saying that diets are fat phobic because mm. you know weight at any size should apply to everyone. Well, no, I'm sorry it doesn't because if you're you know, overeating or you're not taking care of yourself and then you end up with health complications down the line, particularly in Australia and Canada, I don't wanna have to pay for your decisions. Like, no. I don't want 
to have to pay for you for, for the, you know, the, the heart bypass that you're going to have to have in a couple of years because you couldn't control yourself. And I know it sounds harsh. People always get on me about it, but yeah, it makes me mad. Makes me mad. <laughs> now along the similar lines, um, these are topics that I try to point out to and talk about, especially on social media a lot. Um, things that people would call e-girls and the website OnlyFans, which you also did a video on, and how mm -hmm. it sort of relates to um, a sort of type of political theater. Can you kind of expand on that, what you mean about that? Uh, I noticed you were talking about people sort of, people use the term grifting a lot in terms of especially right-wing politics with e-girls mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Can you, can you expand on that for us? The e-girl thing is so interesting because I don't want to shame women for the actions that they take on the internet. If you want to take a photo half naked with a Trump flag wrapped around you, that's really your prerogative. I do. I <laughs> Even, do, actually. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, maybe you could have a really you know, successful Instagram account. Uh, and it's funny that I'm saying I don't want to pass judgment, even though I'm over here passing judgment on people who overeat. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not infallible and I'm not you know, always ideologically consistent, but, the, but, you know, like when, when it comes to these women, I don't want to be one of these people that's out here going, Oh, you know, you're a slut for doing this because I don't know anything about you. What I do find frustrating though, is that I think it delegitimizes like the conservative movement and that by the same token, I'm also not a conservative or, you know, conservative libertarian who says to people, Oh, what are you conserving just because you take photos like this? But the e thought thing I think is really interesting because, and, and the video that I made about it was pointing out that there is a correlation, I think, between loneliness in men and women, but predominantly men, and uh, subscribing to OnlyFans or taking part in, I guess, maybe even obsessing over these women who, again, are taking their clothes off online for money. And particularly, particularly I was talking about the for money element. And I think that that really just goes to show that there's a really sort of uncomfortable thing happening where we've gotten so far from each other. And social media has played such a big role in making it difficult for people to connect and communicate effectively, which is kind of ironic when you think about it. And it's leaving a lot of people just very unfulfilled. So the lonelier men get, I, I really think it's fair to say that the more popular OnlyFans gets. And it, interestingly, too, I got a lot of flack for that video about, about OnlyFans. But I also got a lot of messages and comments and uh, sort of correspondence from people who say, I, I'm an OnlyFans subscriber and you're nail on the head. You've hit the nail on the head. I am a lonely person and I want the human interaction because I don't feel I can get it in other places. Now, I would say obviously it's not a healthy thing for young women. I have several nieces. Um, I have like 13 nieces and nephews overall. I wouldn't want them to. Oh, wow. I wouldn't want to aspire. Want them to aspire to do anything like that. But I think that's fairly obvious. But aside from that, when I see um, adult women like doing this thing where they snap and their outfits change, or they're doing like provocative dances and they're like in their late 30s and 40s, I don't think that's a good thing to aspire to as an adult either. Do you think that comes from loneliness and having nothing to do also? Or, or what is the what is the goal? Is it just to become a social media influencer? I think, I think it's a multi-pronged, I think there's a myriad of reasons why people do these things. I certainly believe that, especially for young women, I think that the validation that people get from posting, you know, provocative things on the internet, whether that be pictures, videos, whatever, I think that there is an element of, um, attention that they get, you know, with the likes and the comments, and it is addictive, that sort of pushes them forward with continuing to do those things. And it, again, it's this validation that women in particular get from the opposite sex, that 
pushes this thing down the line, which is why you have websites like OnlyFans that are so popular for lewd and nude content. It's not just for porn stars, it's for everyday people who think, hmm, I get, it's a dual pronged thing. I get money out of it, but I also get all these comments and people telling me how beautiful I am. So I think that's a really huge part of it. I mean, I can testify to this as a woman, you know, when I was uh, in my teens, I, I mean, and thankfully I'm so glad I didn't have a uh, an iPhone or an Android or anything like that until I was, I think about 19 was when I got my first one. But, you know, I, I sort of, I can relate, you know, I had an Instagram account and, you know, you get all these comments and likes and things and you just think, oh, this is great. But ultimately, I think it's, it's more damaging because the Internet's forever. You can't get rid of that. For sure. I'm just going to go ahead and write down start and only fans. <laughs> you make a killing. You make lots of money. <laughs> I'll do my best. It hasn't worked out in the past. Um, speaking of <laughs> things that I definitely don't want to watch, the Biden inauguration. Did you get a chance to watch any of that? Um, and what were your thoughts on, what were your highlights of that? Did you get Truly, to watch I, it? Yeah, I, honestly, I, I can't watch Biden. And it's not because I don't like him. It's not because, you know, obviously, I don't like him. But it's, <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not solely based on that. It's largely due to the fact that I'm so, I get such bad secondhand embarrassment from him that when he makes a mistake or he stutters or he says something that I just go, oh my God, this is nonsense. I, I just, I cringe and I, I can't watch him because he does it so frequently that I'm just like, I don't want to be exposed to this. I just can't do it. So I did watch him um, actually being sworn in. That was really the only part that I watched. And I'm sitting there like tense, just thinking, please just say the words correctly because I can't handle it. I don't, I don't know, is that just a me thing? Do other people feel like that? I can't watch it. No, it most of the people I talked to tried to watch it and had to turn it off. Personally, I was about 30 seconds into Jennifer Lopez singing um, God Bless America with the waving flag uh, with the 50% opacity in front of her. And all I could think about is after four to five years of saying America sucks, um, this flag's representative of colonization and white supremacy, now all of a sudden, oh, now we love each other. And even though there's 25,000 troops out here and nobody's allowed to be here, all of a sudden let's come together and we love America, you guys. Bernie Sanders is falling asleep. Bill Clinton's falling asleep. Pretty sure Mike Pence was falling asleep as well. And it was just a show of, it was a pretend show. I mean, what is Tom Hanks doing there? What is the girl from Star Wars doing there? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so weird, too, like how star-studded it is. And I just think, it really goes to show, though, how in cahoots all these people are. Mm -hmm. I know that that's such a, you know, a lot of people think that sounds conspiratorial, but these politicians and these celebrities have all sort of, like, gotten in this creepy little, like, click together. It's just, ugh, yuck. I don't like it. Well, as far as I saw, everybody's uh, touting their YouTube numbers of being horribly low, a couple hundred thousand, and even alleging that they've been removing likes from it because it was so bad, mm -hmm. and YouTube's a pretty right-wing place. But we'll get off of that. I don't want to make you cringe too much. Uh, you uh, joined us, thankfully, so we don't want to scare you away. Um, during my research, if you can call watching videos research, I came across a video from a guy named Jimmy Snow. And, and forget about a t how much of a terrible name that is. Um, you're probably familiar with it, and I want to play a portion of that video to you that I found particularly, I don't know if you want to call it interesting or disturbing. Uh, you want to throw that one up, Justin? So you figure this video is a month old and she's talking about she's angrier than she maybe has been ever by the political noise. Well, she's a conservative. What's the political noise coming from the opposition? Right, 
wear a mask, stop getting other people sick, stop killing other people by being so anti-science. Uh, also, a month ago, I mean, that's pretty much at the peak of the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, yeah, you're right. All this political noise, you should be the angriest because clearly you're the person most negatively affected by what's going on and why those movements are even necessary. Oh, Sydney, I found- I want to see when I posted that because he's an idiot, this kid. Sorry, continue. <laughs> I found it fascinating. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I couldn't look away for 10 to 50 minutes. It's a weird thing to me to make a video dedicated to one person's opinions for 30 minutes straight, um, unprovoked, I believe. So what's your reaction when you wake totally up? Unprovoked. What's your reaction when you wake up and see a 30-minute diatribe about some guy um, that's completely about you? Uh, it's it's always humorous to me when people make videos about either me as a person and just use a series of when they straw man my arguments because I really pride myself on putting a lot of thought into what I create, really researching it. And if I can't find information or there's a hole or you know something doesn't necessarily add up, I point it out because again, you know, like I said at the, at, when we first started chatting here, I do. I mean, even though I am right wing, I do try really hard to actually provide both sides of the coin. I do want to be unbiased in as many cases as I can, even though I obviously have a slant. I, I want to you know promote these things. So it's it was humorous because actually the day that uh, that video was was posted, I was sitting outside um, with you know a, a coffee at actually Elijah's house. You had him on um, recently, Elijah Schaefer, and I'm sitting at his house having a coffee. And he walks out, sits down next to me, and, he, and he's scrolling through YouTube, and he goes, "Hey Sid, look at this," and shows me. And I was like, "Ah, oh, here we go." And what's funny is that I love how they put my name in the title because. You know, you either get people that are hate watching it because they like and support what I do and people who are, you know, hate watching it because they hate me. So I always find it so humorous because it's not just that someone's going, OK, well, here's some arguments. Let me like deconstruct them. But it's rather let me deconstruct this person. So I always find it really, really, really humorous. Um, I don't get offended. I don't care. I, like sometimes people bring up good points and I'm like, yeah, fine. Yeah, sure. That was like a that was a definite hole. But for the most <laughs> part, I'm just like guy get get more time to you to do more better things that was such a bizarre sentence but you know you get the point anyway i actually reached out to jimmy and i was like man i've watched a lot of your content like this made me a bit sad it's you know hating on me for 30 minutes straight and he was like well it was a hate video sid and i was like well kind of felt that way my guy and um, we chatted we sort of resolved it um he sort of apologized for straw manning me and and we moved on and and i have no ill will towards jimmy whatsoever so well, He's about to change. <laughs> uh, the thing that I found, and I hate to harp on it, but uh, he also he the way he talked is is indicative of a lot of the journalists I watch, a lot of the reporters I watch. Or he, he claims he's a former conservative and he's changed. And he I used to know nothing, but now he speaks as he has the deepest understanding of all these topics. But what he says is the most shallow and lack of lack of substance in these surface arguments. Oh, these people are oppressed. You don't understand their oppression. You're killing people. There's absolutely no nuance in anything he says. And the statements themselves don't lack any courage or and, and just require a lot of mental gymnastics, logical gymnastics to get through. Because when you're just saying you're killing grandma or you're not oppressed, so how can you understand? It's sort of like saying, um, you watch, you're watching this basketball game. You shouldn't have an opinion unless you're an NBA player. Now. How do you come to an agreement with a person like that? Because like you said, he apologized, but how overall do people come to an agreement with somebody who, who isn't really willing to give their argument any uh, veracity at all? 
Well, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Is when someone is strawmanning you and when they are trying to pick apart your opinions with no logical context or they're not actually trying to understand where you're coming from, I think it's difficult to get mad at them. I think if someone's actually doing, I mean, to me, that's like, that's, you're doing something in bad faith. Basically, that's my, that's how I view it. But I, I really struggle to get mad at someone like Jimmy because I think, this guy is obviously, I mean, he's an ex-Mormon. Um, he's very hostile mm. towards uh, religion. And I think that when people are hurt, and I know this is going to sound like reasonably, you know, sort of esoteric and feely, but I think when people are, have been hurt by something, I think that their logical reaction is then to just want to hurt other things back to a large extent. And I, I sort of just see that in these kind of videos, but you, I mean, you're right. Look, they're, they are, they don't have any nuance, these arguments that they make in response to people like you and me and whoever. Um, they don't really actually break apart what we've said and really interrogate it and question it or, you know, provide new data or provide new arguments. They just sort of ad hominem you until you, until I don't, I don't even know what happens after that. I mean, obviously I don't care, but it's, it's difficult for me to say because I think at the time when I made that particular video in question, I was so angry because it feels like conservatism. And again, like I'm not, you know, the typical conservative. I do have values outside of that, but I think a lot of conservatives are just feeling so downtrodden in the sense that, you know, we're deleted on social media. We're censored all the time. The media hates us. Politicians hate us. It feels like there's just no comfortable, easy place to exist as a conservative besides maybe Florida, without getting your butt kicked, you know? And to then to have someone just completely not understand that whatsoever is kind of irritating. So, but I don't, I don't know. In answer to your question, I don't know. I just don't want to get mad at random people that don't impact my life. That's my general sort of sentiment here. Now, the YouTube community, and by the YouTube community, I mean the people that they want to promote is obviously very left-leaning. I mean, you look at other YouTubers, Jake Paul isn't left-leaning, the Nelk boys aren't left-leaning, who else can I think about? PewDiePie is definitely not left-leaning. Um, so do you come across these confrontations a lot? I mean, is, is the YouTube community picking on you a lot because they, the people who are regular YouTubers, let's call them, and not political, uh, would probably completely disagree with you like this guy. Does this happen to you a lot? Look, I, it's funny, I don't ever Google myself because I get really depressed. Uh, I just start like reading things that are just patently untrue. Um, so if I haven't said something and it hasn't come from my face or on Twitter or somewhere where I have said it, it's probably not accurate. I just want to put that out there. So when I watch, yeah, people actually do make hate videos. I think they're hilarious because again, there's no substance. Like you said, there's no nuance. They're just straw manning everything I've said, or they're just getting really hot and bothered under the color. And I'm like, if you want to make out with me, you better take me on a date. This is not, this is not the way to make it happen, fam. So um, people always get on me about the things they say about the transgender community. And to be completely fair, I actually think I'm pretty fair and reasonable towards the transgender community. I don't think that I say anything tremendously radical about it. Um, and and, and the, compared to other conservatives, you know, people have said to me, I don't think you go hard enough at this. And it still results in people making these videos where it's like, oh, Sydney Watson inadvertently supports Medicare for all. Well, I've never spoken about Medicare for all ever in my life. So I'm not really sure like where you got that from. People are nuts. People are psycho. YouTube is psycho. Maybe that's gonna be the title of this episode is People Are Nuts, YouTube is Psycho. All right, Sydney, we're behind the paywall now, and as I say to all my guests, you can say and do whatever you want now. You can eat a meatball sub, you can uh, throw things at the screen, do whatever you want. It's, uh, it's paid for now. They have no choice but to watch. You have a story 
you have a story that I heard of before I even knew who you were about getting kicked out of an apartment for being conservative. Um, do you want to let share that story with the audience? Yeah. So I, I just moved to DC and I, so before I had left Australia, actually, uh, a friend of mine was like, the way that people find apartments is they jump on these Facebook groups and they basically connect with people who are either subleasing, which is basically for those who've never had to go through it. Basically where someone goes, Hey, my room's going to be available for a month. If anyone just wants to stay here for a month and then leave, it's almost like an Airbnb type scenario, except that it's a little more under the table. It's less safe. Um, yes. It sounds yeah, exactly. like. <laughs> so um, I joined this group to try to find an apartment or a subletter or, you know, whatever options were available to me at the time. Actually got berated a lot in the group because one person realized who I was and was like, don't, don't let this girl live with you. She's a crazy Nazi or I can't remember what he said, mm. but it's something along those lines. And I was like, this is why everyone hates you. So I get to DC and I have this sublet set up. I go, uh, my friend and I move my things in. Um, I'm chatting with one of the two housemates that were there and my friend at the time who actually became my housemate later down the line, she drops to one of these girls that I am conservative and that she should Google me and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, I'll, yeah, I know. I was like, I'll kill you. And then I'll dig you up and kill you again. Why are you saying <laughs> We're going to have to, this is behind a paywall, but now we have to do a whole murder warning, I think. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like trigger warning. Sydney talks about like murdering now one of her very good friends who <laughs> ruined her life for a period there. Um, so the next day, um, oh, actually, to be to be fair, the other house when I got home, the two of them left. And I said to my friend, I was like, these girls are just they're going to talk about me. They're going to say mean things. I know it. Um, I just got that vibe. So anyway, they left uh, the next day. I'm going grocery shopping. I get a phone call. We need to talk to you. Long and short of it is that they sat me down and were like, you kind of have to leave. And I was like, oh, they're like, yeah, like our landlord doesn't like want you here because of the subleasing situation, even though they'd actually sublet that same room the summer before. So I was just like, okay. So they gave me, I think it was about a week or 10 days to find a new place, um, which was super stressful. I ended up doing that obviously, because here I am now living in Texas, having lived in the U S for 18 months. And it all worked out in the end, but it was interesting because it was, there was no problem until my friend was like, so these are conservative Google her. And I was like, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Um, and like, what I like to caveat this was like, although no one said explicitly to me, we're kicking you out because of your views. It was fairly clear. By the end of it. And I think that we see a lot of, of that stuff posted online. I don't want conservatives. Uh, you, I think we've even seen no no white people on, on listings as well. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned nice. that you just, you've lived in the United States for 18 months. Your accent is fleeting. You'll be, you'll be speaking and halfway through a sentence, your accent changes and O turns into an Australian O. You know, mm -hmm. it's very interesting. How long do you think you can hold on to this accent? Or does it you come know, back when you go back to Australia? Oh, yeah, yeah. Apparently, because actually I've got a couple Australian friends here in Texas. Um, Elijah Schaefer's wife yeah, is Australian. Right. She and I are really, really good friends. And so uh, people have said to the both of us that we get together. And obviously, then we can finally use the slang that we use because that's obviously your natural inclination is to say things that you've grown up with. Um, and so, you know, we use all this slang and all this terminology between the two of us. And people just sit there and go, what? What is happening? So apparently it does change. Apparently it becomes stronger when I'm talking to other Australians, which I think is, it's nice. I don't want to lose my accent. I am making a concerted effort now to force myself to continue using words that I would ordinarily switch out to be better understood by Americans. So for example, you know, I'm wearing a jumper. 
but to an American, I'm wearing a sweater, things like that. Um, I don't want to lose it. I don't want my accent to go anywhere. Uh, Elijah Schaefer says, I sound like I'm from Michigan or Wisconsin. Savannah Hernandez says, I have no Canadian accent at all. Uh, it's a very confusing time for me right now. You do a little bit, though. It, it comes out sort of when you say, like, about and things like that. That's what everyone Stanley. says. What do I say that's about that's different? A boot? Should I just say a boot all the time now? No, even the way that you just said about sounds Canadian to me. I'm going to have to disagree. <laughs> uh, what is your most favorite or your initial attack from the media? Do you remember? Um, forget about this uh, Jon Snow guy, <laughs> I'll call him. But what was your <laughs> initial big attack from maybe a mainstream media source that you remember? Oh, I remember when I, so I was probably maybe like six months into doing what I was doing. This is back in 2018. And I decided to have a, a protest or like a rally for men for just to support men. Because at the time, the narrative in Australia was very, very anti-men. It was making me very angry. And I knew that a lot of men felt really, really hurt and sad and by this all men are rapist narrative. So I was like, screw it, let's, let's have a rally. So the first article, it was so humorous. The first article that was written was like, she's an anti, it was like, she's a pro gun, anti women. It just like had this myriad, this just list of all these things that I apparently stand for and do. And it was the first article that I had read about myself that no one had asked me, no one had contacted me to speak to me. Um, everything in it was definitely slanted to the left and it made me seem like this psycho radical. And it was, it was honestly the first thing I, it was the first time I cried doing this. I sat down in my parents' living room and I just bawled my eyes out because I was like, why are people so incredibly mean? And now I look at that stuff and I'm like, you guys, <laughs> you're so silly. <laughs> you become a tough Texan now. Hard into it. Yeah. The last like, thing I want to ask you, which is fun. Um, before I let you go is if we open Sydney Watson's Twitter DMs her Instagram messages, what's the most likely thing we're going to find? Uh, my Twitter From strangers. DMs? Okay. Okay. Um, you'll probably find a bunch of DMs that are like, I hate you. I hope you die. I definitely get a lot of emails like that. They too are, some of them are disconcerting. Definitely. I'm like, this is a really detailed way of shooting me in the face. Goodness. And um, I think you'll find a lot of um, people who shit post, excuse my language, please bleep that out if I'm not allowed to swear. But I think you'll find a lot of shit posting that's much better than mine. I have the funniest community. I'm so lucky. People always send me memes and things. So you find a lot of memes. And then I think you'll find a lot of Sydney. What are you doing? <laughs> or maybe some nice comments in there too. <laughs> I guess I got to change the way I write my emails to you. Uh, the death threats weren't, weren't, I guess they weren't original. Sydney Watson, you can find her on YouTube, Twitter. She's also on other networks. Are you on Gab and, and Telegram as well? Yeah, I am on Gab. I haven't set up a Telegram thing yet. Uh, I'm just, you know what it is, the older I get. And even though I haven't entered my 30s or anything, I'm not on that wavelength. No offense to anyone who's over the age of 30. Sorry about that. But wow. um, <laughs> I'm 19, so it's fine. Damn. Um, you'll, yeah, you'll, when you get older, you'll just be like, damn, so this is also grim. But no, I, I feel like I'm not good at any of these platforms. That's what's so funny. I feel like the older I get, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why is, do I click this? It's actually horrible. I, Telegram, God. Sydney Watson, internet novice, YouTuber <laughs> extraordinaire. You want to give the last words or should we just cut it off? Cut the feed. Um, 
do the right thing by my channel, go subscribe because uh, people always, uh, YouTube always deletes my subs and it makes me really sad because then you can't hear the wisdom of the most biased, unbiased, conservative, not conservative commentator. There you go. I'm with you there. I have the same uphill battle with YouTube subscribers. Sucks. Thanks a lot, Sydney. Have a great night. Thanks for joining me and keep your accent. Thank you for having me and I will do my best.